as they continue to play silent or softly. I'm going to have them to say that again. And I don't know about you that are watching by the internet, but I feel the spirit of the Lord in this house. I said, I feel his presence. And I love that last line that says, every knee, one day, every knee shall bow. And every tongue is going to confess him as Lord Jesus. Did you hear that, devil? One day you're going to bow your knee and you're going to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. He's going to have to bow down. Did you hear me? The one that's causing all the heartache, the one that's causing all the pain, the one that's wreaking havoc, one day is going to have to bow his knee. One day he's going to have to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let me tell you something. You may be watching right now. And let me tell you, you need to lift your hands up and begin to worship him for who he is. He's Lord. I said, he's Lord. He's Lord. And I don't have any to worry about because my God still reigns. He's still in control. We want him to be the center of the church. And let me tell you, he's moving all across this land. You may say, well, how can that be? Right now, doors are shut all across. Let me tell you, he's a God that never stops working. He's not done. Let me tell you, we're on the brink of seeing what this world has never seen before. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready. I said, I'm ready to step on in. It's time that you make up your mind and step into what God wants to do. He's not a God that is not able to do anything. He's a God that is able to do everything that you need him to do. And I'm ready to step in. And he's looking for a people that's going to step in. Step into what he's got. Amen. I want him to be the center of my life. I want him to be the center of this church. Of his church all around. And he's going to have his way. You hear me tonight? He's going to have his way. Because the best is yet to come. So as they sing this again. Let it be a declaration of your heart and life. And say, Jesus, be the center of my life. Because let me tell you, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. It's all about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. But unfortunately, much of the church got so far away. But let me tell you, he's bringing the church back. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the blood that he shed on Calvary 2,000 years ago. It's about his death. It's about his burial. It's about his resurrection. And it's about the soon coming glorious rapture of this church. He's coming back. It's all about him. Amen. It's all about him. So as they sing it again, I want you to worship him with all that's within you and make that the declaration of your heart and life. Jesus, be the center of my life. And let me tell you, he'll do it, amen, as they sing again where they feel led. Jesus, be the center of my life. <laughs> Jesus, be the center of my life. There may be some that wonders how in the world are they getting so excited. What are they shouting about? What are they saying? Let me tell you, this isn't emotionalism. But when you've been touched by him, there's going to be a response. When you've been touched by the hand of Almighty God, when you know that your sins have been washed away, when you know where he's brought you from to where you're at today, my God, how can we not praise him, church? How can we not worship him? How can I not lift my hands to him? How can I not shout his praises? He brought me a very long way from where I was to where I am today. Hallelujah. 
If not for grace, where would I be? If not for grace, where would I be? Because let me tell you, I wouldn't be here tonight. But because of his grace, because of his grace, we are what we are. And we're here tonight, Lord. In Jesus' mighty and wonderful name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. May be seated tonight. Lord, I'm so thankful for his presence. I'm so thankful for Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Lord, when I think about where I was and where I'm at tonight, I've got a reason to shout, reason to praise. Amen. Turn with us to the book of Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, and uh, you may not have been here, or you may just be tuning in on our Sunday night services as of here lately, but the Lord uh, led me, and I felt prompted into my spirit and in my heart a few weeks ago from the Lord, and the Lord dealing with me on going back through uh, the book of Galatians. Uh, and the very first week we preached relaying the foundation, uh, and that's exactly what needs to be done in the church Amen. You may ask, or today's time, you may ask, well, what does that mean? Because unfortunately, we have gotten so far away from what it's truly all about. Yes, exactly what they just sang about, Jesus be the center of it all. When I say we, I'm talking about the church as a whole. We are chasing after everything else except the one who we should be chasing. Amen. Amen. And his name is Jesus. And so we dealt with the first five verses and relaying the foundation. And then last week we dealt with verse 6 through 10 where Paul would talk about no other gospel. And I preach revert, pervert, and convert. And how that we cannot stray whatsoever from the foundation of justification by faith and from the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if we're not preaching Christ and him crucified, we're not truly preaching the gospel. That's right. We can't preach Jesus the healer without first preaching Jesus and him crucified. That's because right. you can't have the healing without first having the blood. You can't have the miracles without first having him a savior. That was the problem with Israel in that day and time. They wanted a king. But before they could have a king, they had to realize and they didn't understand that they had to first have a savior. Because yes. we got to have a savior before we need any and can't get anything else from him. Amen. And so we've got to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Simply put, nothing else and nothing matters. A lot of people think, well, when you preach the gospel, of course we know that it's about Christ and him crucified. But you can't preach that every single service, every single week. Well, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Because way too many people feel that only that message is for the sinner and it's only for salvation. Oh no, my friend. Everything hinges because of what Christ did at Calvary. It's because of him that we can receive every benefit that we need. It's because of him. And the whole Bible, from Genesis 1 to Revelation, I believe 21, I think, or 22, I'm not sure, slipping my mind, but it's all about Jesus. Amen. All the scriptures point back to him. And when they prophesied in the Old Testament for him to come, he revealed himself, he came, and that we now have a, a better covenant tonight. Amen. And I'm so thankful for him. And we don't preach anything else other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. Amen. It's the answer for the sinner and it's the answer for the saint. Amen. Amen. It's the answer for the entirety of the world today. The world don't need another program. The world don't need another fad. The world don't need another system. That's what's wrong with the church today. We need to come back to the basics and to the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. 
And that's what we preach and believe. So we will be dealing with verse 11 through 24 tonight. So we'll read it. So bear with me as we read these scriptures. But we will uh, attempt to finish this all tonight. So verse 11 of chapter 1. Paul says, I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by his grace. Let me tell you, thank God I've been called by his grace. Amen. Verse 16, to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But they had heard of me that he which persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith which once he destroyed. Let me tell you, if there was ever a picture of grace and a miracle, it was Paul. Yeah. In times past now preaches the faith which he once destroyed. And they glorified God in me. I know that was a lot of scripture tonight. But I want to deal with the topic received by revelation. Yeah. Received by revelation. Bow your heads and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for what you did this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your word that went forth. We thank you for the hearts and lives that were touched, that were changed, for the testimonies that came in, Lord. But God, we know that you have new and fresh manna for us tonight, God. And we're here, pulled up to the table, Lord, to receive from you tonight. Lord, we're asking, God, for one more time for you to anoint us, to deliver, Lord, your word. How desperately, Lord, God, I depend upon you, Lord, to place your words in my mouth, God, and help me to rightly divide the word of God. Lord, that you would anoint the hearers of this word, Lord, tonight, and that, God, it would fall upon good ground, Lord, that, Lord, you would toil up the soil of the heart, Lord, and, Lord, that it would be planted and, Lord, bring forth good fruit. Lord, be the center of it all tonight, Lord, as we preach, Lord. May you be glorified and exalted, Lord, removing us out of the equation. Lord, let people not see me, Lord, but let them see you. Let them hear you, Lord, as we hide behind your cross. And we'll ask it all in the name of Jesus and everyone said, amen and amen. So as we have discussed and learned, Paul was writing the letter this epistle to the church of Galatia on which several churches existed that he found and that he had started. And the people of these churches were founded upon the gospel of Jesus Christ, meaning, hear me tonight, meaning that what Christ did at Calvary was a complete and finished work that by grace through faith you can be saved. 
A great work was done here in this church, and Paul leaves. He moves on to go on to his next missionary journey. And within just a short time, and I said it last week, within a matter of a couple of months, these Judaizers crept into the church, and they began to preach another gospel, which in fact Paul would tell us is no gospel at all. I want to say this tonight. If we're not preaching Christ and him crucified, then we're not truly preaching the gospel. Amen. And there's a lot of people saying, no, no, we preach about Jesus. Listen, you cannot separate Christ from what he did at Calvary's cross. Amen. Because we have no power. We have no authority. We have nothing without the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when we mention Jesus, we are, of course, mentioning him and what he there did at Calvary. You can't separate the cross from Christ, and you can't separate Christ from the cross. They go hand in hand, amen? So Paul came in and said, hey, y'all, I've got great news. You don't have to worry about trying to keep the law anymore. You don't have to go through ceremonies. You don't have to go through this and through that. All you have to do is just evidence faith and what Christ did at Calvary's cross. Believe that it is a total and complete work. And by grace, through faith, you can be saved. Amen. That ain't just good news. That's great news. That's marvelous news. It's wonderful news. Amen. To know that I can be justified with God Almighty by simply believing that what he did was a complete and total and final work. Amen? Amen. Why in the world would we want to go back to law? Why in the world would we want to go back into bondage? Why in the world would we want to do these things? But he would tell us later on, much later, we'll get to it, to stand fast now in the liberty where Christ has made us free. Yeah. Don't be entangled again in bondage. Yeah. Stand right here in what Christ has done for you because it's only in what he's done that has made us free. It has set us free from the penalty of sin, and it has set us free from the power of sin. Amen? So once pardon for sin comes through God's provision for sin. Let's say that again. Once pardon for sin comes through God's provision for sin. There has only been one way, and there will always only be one way that man can be saved, and that is by going through the blood of Jesus Christ, Amen. by bowing down before him. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come unto the Father but by me. It don't get no more simpler than that. You don't have to have no college education. You don't have to go to theology school, to seminary school. He says, I am singular. One person. The way, the truth, the life. No man. That means you. That means me. That means every color of every nationality. No man can come unto God the Father. Not only salvation from the Lord, but everything from God by going through Jesus and what he did. Amen. So these Judaizers again said, yes, faith in Christ and Jesus and what he has done is right, but you've got to also keep the law. And when they said that and when they were saying that you've got to bring in the Mosaic law and also specifically the, the right of circumcision, what they don't realize is that they were removing themselves from the flow of grace. Mm -hmm. Because grace doesn't come in on the wings of law. Grace comes in on the wings of faith in Christ and what he's done. Yes. 
We can't receive grace if we try to do it ourselves. Grace is unmerited favor given to an undeserving people. I don't deserve salvation. You didn't deserve salvation, but his grace is what saved us because we came to him and we said, Lord, I've got nothing. I'm nothing more but a filthy bag of trash. I am wretched. I'm miserable. I'm blind. I'm poor. Lord, I'm naked. I've got nothing more to offer to you. Here I am. And he said, that's all that I need. I just want you to come to me exactly the way that you are. And I'm going to extend my grace to you. And I'm going to change your whole entire life. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new start. I'm going to give you a new life. And a life that you don't have to do this on your own. But I'm going to be there with you every step of the way. My God, why would we not want that? You don't have to do anything for it. He already did it all. He just said believe. But when you believe, you've got to say, Lord, there's nothing that I can do. So that's part of evidence and faith in Christ is throwing ourselves down. Lord, there's nothing. I've got nothing to please you. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So again, not only did they attack his message, but they attacked him and, and, and his apostleship. They took it a step further and they attacked him by saying that he wasn't one of the original 12 apostles, that those who would agree with everything that we are saying. So don't listen to him. Don't listen to what Paul's saying. He's not one of the original 12. This is not what they're preaching. This is not what they're teaching. This is all made up in Paul's mind. And there would be many that would think, well, you're just preaching that, you know, grace covers it all. It does. But we don't preach that grace covers it all to give us a license to sin. Amen. We don't preach that. Grace has saved us from sin, not in sin. He has now set you free to now go and live for him and to be holy before him. But you'll never be holy before him on your own. It's only by staying in Christ Jesus that you can be holy, that you are holy, and that you are righteous. And it is only by staying anchored in him and what he's done that the Holy Spirit gets the latitude to come alongside and to help you now live this life that he's called you to live, which is to line up with his word. Amen? Amen? It doesn't matter about credentials. Let me just say that. doesn't matter if you've been to a four-year school and we're not knocking education and absolutely we should study to show ourselves approved. Yeah. The worst thing I've heard it before and it's so true that when a person gets saved they may feel that call to preach and get right up behind the pulpit. You've only been saved long enough just to do a bunch of damage. I've seen that before growing up like that. Yeah. I called the preacher and get up there and dear Lord, how mercy. You come in feeling really high, you leave out feeling very small. <laughs> we should study to show ourselves the proof, but it doesn't matter about credentials. It doesn't matter about school. Let me tell you, the best teacher is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He's the best teacher. He's the best professor. Amen. So it doesn't matter about credentials. It doesn't matter what man thought about Paul. He said, you ain't called me. God called me and gave to me this message to give to the church. So we find here in verse 11 through 24, the beginning, if you will, of Paul's defense to the church of Galatia. He had gone on to say, and let me be perfectly clear to you, that the gospel of Jesus Christ that I bring to you was not an invention of my wild imagination, and it wasn't given to me or passed down to me by any man. A lot of people in the church today, belief system 
is predicated upon what mama and daddy taught them. A lot of people's belief and the way they live their life is predicated upon what grandma and grandpa told them. They've never really searched the scriptures to see if it's true. And I love, we should love our parents. And listen, there's a lot of things that they said right, but you should never take a man at his word. And unfortunately, down through the ages, man didn't get in the word and study. They just shot from the hip and began to preach what they had always heard. Well, surely this must be right. So this is what I'm going to preach too. And instead of us being a voice, we became nothing more but an echo. God's not called you to be an echo. He's called you to be a voice. He don't want you just to repeat what everybody else said. Get in the good book. See what he's got to say. And then be a voice for him. And let me tell you, open your mouth and he will fill it. That's all you got to do. So now you have to understand that Paul was the hope of the Pharisees at this time. He had studied under the feet of Galileo, and he was next as the one that they looked at to be in line to take over. And he knew everything that there was about the law to know, and he was more of an advocate for the law than they ever were. Now you got to remember, uh, get this, he was more for the law and thought he was doing good by persecuting the church of God. By persecuting Christians, by slinging them in prison, by slinging them in jail, having them killed. He thought he was doing good. That's how far out law will take you. It kills. And so he, here he was, he was saying, listen, I was more for the law than you were. And if I'm walking away from it, I've got something to say. You need to listen up. Because I'm turning away and I knew a whole lot more about it than what you did. Amen. So Paul was saying that I wasn't taught anything that I have given to you and that I have preached unto you, but it came directly by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I will say this. There are a lot of people who will say they have been given a divine revelation by God. And you may even be them individuals that you've had people to come up and they say, I've got a word from the Lord for you. And we see that a lot, especially in Pentecost, in the churches, and say, the Lord has given me a word and told me to give it to you. And you have to take that I've learned with a grain of salt. Because I understand that some people's intentions would be good. But let me just say one thing. God is perfectly capable and able to speak to you directly. He will never tell somebody else to tell you something that he won't have already revealed to you first. He may use another individual to confirm what he's already spoken to you. But God don't need a person to tell me, hey, I'm in relationship with him. He can speak to me. Mm-hmm. He don't need to go through another person and say, hey, go deliver this message to him. No, he's going to tell me. He may use that individual to confirm what he's told to me as I'm seeking the Lord to make sure I've truly heard from the Lord. Lord, is this what you would have me to do? And he will use a brother or sister like that for it. But again... One that comes up to you and says, the Lord told me to tell you this, you take it with a grain of salt and you move on. Amen. Mm-hmm. So if they have a word for you also that does not line up with what is within the pages of the Bible, then you are to dismiss it right then and there. Amen. God's not going to tell somebody to come up and tell you something that doesn't line up with his word. He doesn't contradict himself. So if they tell you something that doesn't line up within his word, that is not within these pages, then it is to be dismissed right then and right there. Amen? Because again, he's not also going to reveal anything new. And I get so 
amazed and when people will say, I've been given a revelation by God. He's given me something brand new. Something that's not even revealed within these pages. Mm -hmm. That's hogwash. That's not true. Everything that God wants us to know is within these pages. And he's not going to give man a new revelation. What he may do is help expound on something that is within the scripture. But a new revelation, he's not going to do. He's given it to us all. What he gave Paul was a new revelation. And Paul now has given it to us. So there's nothing new that God's going to add. Everything he's got to say is right here. And it's enough for all of eternity, and we'll never learn it all. You can read this Bible through 18 times a year. And let me tell you, every time you read a passage of Scripture, it will speak to you in a new and a different way because it's alive. Amen? Amen. So these people were saying, well, what makes your gospel so true, Paul? You're telling us that you've been given a revelation by God. What makes you so right? What makes you think that you know it all, that what you're saying is the only way? And Paul was saying here that the gospel of Jesus Christ, which he's preached, again, was not taught by him or to him by any man. So everything else that these Judaizers were preaching had been learned. And there's the difference. The Judaizers were preaching what they had learned. Paul was preaching what had been revealed to him by God. A new revelation that no man had ever known before. That was revealed specifically to Paul and only Paul. Amen. So again, he says, what I have to you is directly from Christ himself. This isn't my gospel or my theory, but again, from Christ himself. Himself. So therefore, it cannot be changed or altered in any fashion because the very souls of men are at stake. That's why Paul came to such a defense of this gospel because he knew what was at stake. And that if the gospel of Jesus Christ, if these Judaizers were allowed to continue to pervert the gospel, the very souls of men were at stake. If we don't preach Christ and Him crucified, and we don't preach the simplicity of it, and say that it is only by faith and grace that you're saved and nothing else, then there are going to be people that die and go to hell. Mm. You hear me tonight? The souls of men are weighing in the balance, and that's why we've got to rightly divide the word. But I'm so thankful that it's so simple that even a six-year-old child can hear this message and say, I believe and say yes to Jesus Christ and be saved. We can't get away from it. It's faith and grace that brought you in, and it's faith and grace that keeps you in. Amen? So man changes their theories, and we've seen that down all through the time. What used to be wrong 40 years ago, all of a sudden ain't wrong now. What the church didn't allow 15 years ago, well, we voted on it, and the majority says it's now all right to do it. So it was a sin 20 years ago, but it's not a sin now. Let me tell you, God don't change. What was sin then is sin now. The problem is all of that was man's ways, was man's theories, but God does not change. Amen. He doesn't go back. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So if we fail to preach the gospel again in its simplicity and point man back to the finished work, then I'm afraid we're going to be responsible for the souls of men. 
And this is more serious than what I think we realize and what we believe. And of course, we like to call out these false prophets, and absolutely they should be called out. We as preachers of the gospel should make known to our congregation, to people, that hey, don't go down this route because it will lead to destruction. It will lead to a damnation. And one is the grace revolution, that, and they preach it absolutely right. They're justified by faith, but then they go on to say that it doesn't matter what you do in life, sin all you want to, you don't have to ask for forgiveness. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Yes, if we were, tell, we were to tell the people that, don't listen to that garbage, dismiss it. But if we fail to point people back to him and we start adding law to it, then we're not going to see the harvest of souls Amen. that we want to see. Because we're making it too hard on them. And the salvation is not hard. It's simple. Just simply believe. 1 Corinthians 9, 16 says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. You see, Paul had been commissioned by God to take the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, to the Gentiles. And there was an overwhelming compulsion, overwhelming compulsion that was laid on him to do this. And thanks be to God that he answered the Macedonian call. Because if he did not answer that Macedonian call, you and I would not be here tonight. Mm -hmm. Thank God he answered it. A lot of people says, well, he was just using another individual. Let me tell you, what he's got for you is specifically for you to do and nobody else. He called Paul and specifically Paul for this. And thank God that he answered that call. Because of that, the message was brought to the Gentiles. You and I are Gentiles tonight. And we are saved because of this gospel that was given to the Gentiles so many years ago. And it continuously got preached. And then when we come around, it was preached unto us. And we said yes to Jesus Christ. And we received his grace. Amen. So the weight that Paul must have felt. Had to have been overwhelming. But had he not, the church as we know it would not exist. You see, not only did Paul have the tremendous responsibility of preaching this message, but he also had the responsibility to guarantee its purity. Mm. He had not only the responsibility to proclaim it, but he had the responsibility, and what an extreme one that it was, to guarantee that this gospel remained pure and that nothing was allowed to come in and to corrupt it. And what these Judaizers were doing, again, was perverting the gospel. They were corrupting it, and which would fall out to men dying lost because, again, it is only through grace of faith. I said it last week, and I'll say it again. If we point people to anything else, at best, talking about those that are believers in Christ, they are going to live miserable lives in Christ Jesus. They're not going to have abundant life. But at the worst, there will be those that will walk away. That's why Paul was, was trying to guarantee this pure, the purity of this gospel because he knew the souls of men were at stake and he knew that if they continued on this route, they would walk away. They wouldn't be depending upon Christ anymore and they would be depending on themselves and what they can do. And that's not salvation. Salvation, again, is depending upon what he's already done. I said it this morning. Faith says it's done. Religion says you got to do. Mm. So Jude, verse 3, 
chapter 1, verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. You see, we should contend for this gospel just as Paul did, because again, there's people all around that are trying to pervert it. And it is my duty, it is your duty, to stand up and to proclaim the gospel and to stand up for its purity and to make the truth known. Amen? We are to defend it as true and stand up for thus saith the Lord. And we should be quick as well to point out that which is false no matter who it may offend. See, we're too worried about, let me tell you, Paul wasn't worried about who he offended. Amen. He had a backbone like nobody else. He wasn't out to make friends. He wasn't out to condemn. And he was so kind as he would refer to these people as brethren. He would approach them in love. But he knew that if they were dead wrong and he called it out. And he didn't matter if it offended them. I've got to tell you the truth. And if you love a man, you're going to tell him the truth. To not tell them the truth means you really don't love them. I love you enough to tell you the truth, even though it may offend you, and the gospel of Jesus Christ will offend you. It will offend you, because it says you've got nothing, you can't do nothing. It strips us of ourselves. Amen? So Paul says, hey, I know you may not believe me, but what I'm going to say and what I'm saying is the truth. Because you knew what my life was before when I was going around and persecuting the church. You see, he brings up his past and that not only was he persecuting the church, but he was zealous for the law just as much as these Judaizers were, but to a greater degree. And I am sure that there were many here that were bringing up his past. You're going to listen to this man that was persecuting the church? And there may be many that will look at you because you proclaim this message and they want to throw up your past. Because you're proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're saying it's the only way. And all they want to do is go back to who you used to be because they don't see you for who you are right now. And that's when I look and say, hey, you must be talking about that old man that I don't know anymore. He's in the grave and he ain't coming forth. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. The person that stands before you is not that same person that you used to know. I've got a new talk. I've got a new wall. I've got a brand new life. And he's the center of it all. There will be many, again, that will try and neglect and not adhere to what you stand for pertaining to the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, they may have an argument, but you have an experience. And we should be letting our own Damascus Road experience be known, not just through words, but also with action. There's way too many within the church, and they talk, and they talk, and they talk, and they talk. But their actions do not exemplify what they're speaking. I was having a conversation with Ricky before. And we could talk about this. We could talk about that. And much of what is being said is right. But don't come to me and start talking about all of these things. And then we don't show the love. Because mm -hmm. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I can prophesy. I can speak in all the tongues that I want to. But if I don't have love, I ain't nothing. Amen. I know that's improper grammar, but that's the way we talk where I come from. <laughs> I'm nothing if I don't have love. Amen. Verse 15. He says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Let me tell you, I can tell you the same way that the apostle Paul was called by grace. It's the same way that you and I came in. 
And it's called grace. You see, we didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve it at all because what was deserved, what God held back by his mercy. Amen. He came to Paul on the road to Damascus and called him by his name and gloriously saved him. So Paul wasn't looking for Jesus. You wasn't looking for Jesus, but the same way that Jesus came to Paul is the exact same way that he came to you and I, amen? He came to the woman of well. She was doing her same old thing day in and day out, but there he was for her that day. So when she couldn't come to him, when you and I couldn't go to him, he came to us, amen? So the only way from the very beginning of time for man to be saved was by grace and grace alone. And unfortunately, many today, just as we're in Paul's time, are trying to obtain salvation from God by another means other than grace. And again, I can tell you that salvation is 100% grace and none of law. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It doesn't get any clearer than that. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, his grace, the goodness that is extended unto you and I that we don't deserve through faith. And see, faith in Christ and his finished work is the channel by which this grace can flow. He wants to extend grace. He continuously desires to extend grace in our life to help us to walk this life that he's called us to live. But the channel by which it flows only comes through and by faith. In Christ and what he's done. I look at it as almost like a tunnel with the river of water just flowing through like that. And the only way that you're going to get up underneath it is to get right up underneath it. The only way you're going to feel that water is to get right up underneath that tunnel. But the moment that you move, grace is flowing still, but you're not going to be the recipient of it until you get back in where it only flows through, which is by the cross of Christ. Amen. So God called Paul, and he called you from your mother's womb to be a follower of Jesus Christ by his grace. And it was for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to reveal his son in you. The greatest calling that a man will ever have is to follow Jesus Christ. A lot of people think that the greatest calling is to be a pastor, to be an evangelist, to be an apostle, to be a worship leader, to be this, to be that. The greatest calling that any man will ever have is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. So he called us to reveal his son in you. And God's call upon Paul was, yes, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the main thrust and the main reason for him calling him was so that he could reveal Jesus in him. Because before you can reveal Christ to others, he's got to be first revealed in you. I can't reveal him to others and talk about him. In fact, I can't do any of the revealing at all. It is only through the Holy Spirit that is using you and I as vessels. Amen. But until he is revealed in me, until I see him the way he wants me to see him, I will never be able to make known this glorious gospel. How can I talk about a man that he can save if I've never been saved myself? I find it funny how people will look at you, especially on your job, and they'll begin to tell you how you should live, and you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do that, and they're not even saved. <laughs> they want to tell me how to live. They want to try to reveal to me about what the Bible says, and they're not even following Jesus Christ. 
Get saved before you try to start telling me how I ought to live and start preaching to me something that you know nothing about. Amen? But the revelation of Christ is not a doctrine that can be studied and figured out by human intellect or wisdom, but it is revealed by God himself. It is revealed by God himself. You can study this all day long and try to figure this out with your own mind and no amount of education will ever reveal this. It comes through the inspiration and through the Holy Spirit that reveals this word unto you. You can't figure this out on your own. When you sit down even to read the word, you should say, Lord, enlighten the eyes of my understanding because without the Holy Spirit, it will be nothing more but words on a page to you. It will be nothing more but words in another book. But when you say, Lord, enlighten the eyes of my understanding, the word is alive and will become alive to you. You've read it. You see it. Those times when you read it and something that you needed for that moment, and it's like the, a phrase, a certain amount of words will just leap up off the page to you and will be for you right what it, what it is that you needed at that moment. Amen. So the revelation, again, is revealed two ways. Number one, by the eternal word being preached. And two, by the working of God's Holy Spirit inwardly. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 1 Corinthians 1, 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them who perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of Almighty God. It may be foolish to the world, and the only reason why it's foolish to them that the preaches is because they're perishing. They don't know him like I know him. But this right here is not foolishness. It's the power of God because it has saved my soul. It has changed my life. Amen? So there can be no inward revelation until there is first an outward declaration. There can be no inward revelation until there is first an outward declaration. How can it be revealed to you without there first being an outward declaration for you to hear? That is what I'm talking about there. The, the preaching of the cross has got to be proclaimed. It's got to be heard so that the Holy Spirit then can reveal to you of what is being preached. In order for God to save one soul, again, there must be a manifestation of Christ and what he did which only comes through the anointed word being preached. And upon the anointed word being preached and proclaimed, the Holy Spirit can reveal Christ in you, that he is Savior, and that you are a sinner. Amen? See, Paul was revealed this because of relationship. We say all the time, Lord, reveal yourself unto me. And the only way he's going to reveal himself to you is by there being an ongoing relationship. How can you learn of him? How can he reveal more of himself to you unless there is first a relationship that number one is established and then number two that is ongoing? A fire that isn't continuously added to will eventually go out. Right. It's got to be stoked. It's got to be moved around and added to in order for the flame to be burning. Amen. So God's revelation of Jesus to Paul was concerning who Jesus was and what his life death, and resurrection signified. You see, he come to understand that when Christ died, and by him evidencing faith in what he had done, he was baptized unto his death, buried with him in the tomb, and then when Jesus came up, so too did he come up, but he came up as a new creature in Christ Jesus. 
Before I got saved, I didn't understand this. You could have said it to me all day long, but I wouldn't have understood it. But then the Holy Spirit moved upon me one day and came to me in the form of conviction. And thanks be to God for it, because he's still the convictor. He made me to realize that I was a sinner. But when I got saved, and as I now begin to walk with him, he let me know and reveal that, hey, when I died, you died too. And where your my burial is your burial. You're dead. You're in that tomb locked away. But the difference is I got up. The old you didn't get up. But now you've been brought forth as a new creature in Christ Jesus. And thanks be to God that his ascension is my ascension too. Because he's made me to be partakers with him. Amen. So the Holy Spirit desires to reveal in you the same that he revealed to Paul. The meaning of the new covenant. And let me tell you, you can't exhaust the meaning of the new covenant. He desires to reveal it more and more and more. But until we get into an intimate relationship with him, we're never going to be revealed what it is that he wants us to know. When Christ died, again, you died. When he was buried, your old man was buried as well. And his ascension is iron. So the revelation came to Paul and the revelation has come to me and I pray that it has come to you that he did a complete and finished work at Calvary's cross. That there is nothing more that you've got to do. And that was the revelation that Paul got. There's nothing else that you've got to do. And my God, I can't keep this to myself. I've been told that i got to tell it and I want to tell it. Listen, when this gets a hold of you, when it gets down inside of you, that what he did is a complete and total total and finished work and there's nothing else that you've got to do from here on out but simply believe and receive stay up underneath that flow of grace so that he can pour into your life so that he can continue to reveal himself to you when i realized that he did it all and that i don't have to try to conquer sin he's already conquered it for me and all i gotta do is stand in the liberty where he's made me free and then he sees that i walk in victory above the powers of darkness amen no longer enslaved but free so this is what god desired and still desires to reveal to you now through the office and the ministry of the holy spirit that you've been set free from the penalty of sin. And again, this is the reason for the revelation. You see, not only was the veil ripped in two, but when he revealed Christ in you, the veil was ripped off of your heart. There was a veil that was there. There the veil was there in the Holy of Holies, and man can never get to God. But when he died on Calvary's cross and he shed his blood, the veil was ripped from top to bottom. A lot of people said, well, why was it the bottom to top? Because if it was, man would have thought he had played a part in it. But it was done from the top all the way down to the bottom. Amen? And when he revealed Christ to you, the veil that was there that separated him from you was ripped off of your heart. And now the presence of the Holy Spirit can abide and reside in you. Amen. You see, you have been saved and this truth should transform your life and everything about you. That's why we've got a reason to shout tonight. That's why we've got a reason to praise him tonight. Because he's been revealed in me. He's revealed himself to me. He showed me what I was, but he showed me who he is. Amen. And all of this was for the purpose that Paul can make known the gospel truth to the Gentiles as well as the Jews. That simply evidence of faith was enough for him 
to provide and to supply the grace that he desired to, to supply and to save your soul. You see, now that he has saved you and revealing his son in you, it is now for the reason to also preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So now the wonderful news, the good news of Jesus Christ and this gospel of grace should be proclaimed unto all the world so that man will cease from their works, cease from the law, and realize that Christ has done it all and that simple faith is all that is required to be justified and to be saved. So Paul didn't consult with anyone about what God had shown him. And he was letting them know that what he is proclaiming was a divine revelation from God himself, again, for the sole purpose to take this to the Gentiles. You see, Paul didn't immediately run to the other apostles and tell them, because I tend to believe that old habits doesn't die hard. Paul spent time with the Lord and allowed him to expound on this. He didn't get this revealed to him and say, oh, I got it all, now let me go and tell it. Through relationship and time spent with him, God was able to, how in the world could he have learned it all like that in one day? And Paul still had that desire to know him. Again, God had given him the meaning of the new covenant, but he tells us in the book of Philippians that he desired that, he said that I may know him. His desire, a man that knew God and knew Jesus in a way like no other man, but yet that desire was still in him to know him more. And if he had that desire, my God, where does that leave you and I? Right. That desire should burn within us to know him more. Amen? Amen? So these old habits, again, don't die hard. And if Paul would have ran out like that, again, he wouldn't have got the full understanding. And let me tell you something. The message of the cross, preaching Christ and him crucified and preaching that he's taking care of it all, it's not always easily accepted by those that have preached law all their life. And if Paul would have just ran straight to him, hey, I got off. But Paul took time. We should be taking time to reveal this gospel. We should be taking time and not just throwing them out and dismissing them because they don't get it the first time. You and I didn't get it the first time either. I didn't get it the first time. But as it continually got preached to me and got taught to me and I allowed it to come in, then little by little he was able to reveal more and more and more. So we need to take time with other people just as the Holy Spirit has taken time and been patient with us. Amen? So unfortunately, many don't want to change from their idea of law to grace because in order to do so, there has to be an admittance that clinging to the law is wrong and it must be abandoned in totality and grace must be fully accepted. So Paul goes about and starts to preach and set up churches in these places and preaches the gospel of grace into them. And don't you know that many of them sat back, heard him preach, and they were amazed. I can just imagine, here is this man that once persecuted the church, was once having people killed, thrown in the churches, and here he is standing up proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I bet every mouth was dropped to the ground. This man here that was having people like me killed, and he's up here telling me 
But by faith and grace, I mean, I bet you there wasn't. You could, it was so silent that you could hear a pin drop. But that's what the grace of God can do, amen? That's what the grace of Jesus Christ can do in the heart and life of any individual. So Paul wanted the Galatians to know and now should understand that he was no repeater of man's doctrines, but what he had been taught had been divinely received from by God through supernatural revelation. They knew he had once opposed the gospel with everything within him, but upon this revelation that Christ was the Messiah, is the Messiah, and that he completed and did it all, he earnestly desired to make known this glorious gospel. Amen. You see, the same can be said about you and I. All of us were once opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, but now that God has revealed his son in us, we are now contenders of the faith, and our lives that once persecuted Christ itself now exalts Christ, and he is glorified in me. We were just like Paul at one time. We opposed. Let me tell you, if you went for him and serving him, you were opposed to this gospel. But now that he has revealed himself and you've accepted Jesus Christ, now Christ is exalted in us and through us. Amen? Amen. So we should live again our Christian lives so that others will glorify the Christ within us. That they may see the mighty hand of grace that has done a great work in us. That has brought about a change in our hearts and lives so that they would marvel. So that they would marvel at the amazing grace of God. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. The greatest sermon you will ever preach is not with your words but with your life. Just as it was with Paul's. Amen. Join with me and come into this place of salt. And Matthew 5, 16 says, let your life so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, good works are the fruit of salvation, not the root of salvation. We say that again, good works is the fruit of salvation, not the root of salvation. And a lot of people's got it mixed up. They think good works are the root of salvation. It's not. You're saved by grace, but now that you are saved, you will do good works. Amen. You have been saved to be a beacon of light and to make known this glorious gospel. And every time you do with your words and your life, you are glorifying the Father. Every time you make known this gospel with words and with him living inside of you, think about that. You're glorifying the Father. And there's nothing more that I want to do than glorify him. Amen. His life was a transformation like they had never seen. But the truth is that all of us that were saved out of darkness and called in a marvelous life is just as big of a transformation as the Apostle Paul. It's just as big of a transformation as the Apostle Paul. Out of darkness and into marvelous light. Amen. Stand to your feet tonight. The greatest thing that could ever happen to you, that could ever happen to any individual, is for Christ to reveal himself to you, to make known to you what Christ has truly done. He wants to reveal that to you, and that comes through relationship so that you can enjoy and receive the benefits of Calvary. And in turn, he also wants you to go out and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, right now, people are searching. What an opportunity. I know we're living in bad times. I know days are dark. 
But what an opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because there are people that are searching. There are people that are hungry. There are people that is evaluating and looking at your life and seeing the peace of God that is there in the midst of all of this. And we need to be seizing this opportunity in this moment like never before. We say we want to see the harvest. We say we want to see people saved. It's time that we start opening up our mouths and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because let me tell you, you may think and the devil loves for us to think, well, nobody's going to listen to you. Everybody's mind is made up. Don't believe that. Because there are those that will receive. Not all. They did with Jesus. But there will be those and some that will accept. And if you go through this whole life and you proclaim it day in and day out, and it only results in one soul being saved, it's worth it all. Amen. It's worth it all. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight. God, we thank you for revealing your Son in us. And God, we thank you that you desire and continue to reveal yourself to us each and every single day. And I pray, God, that the desire of our heart, Lord, would be to commune with you in a more intimate way than ever before, Lord. That, God, you would teach us, Lord, that we would learn more about this tremendous work that you did at Calvary. Lord, we just begin to scratch the surface. And, God, you desire to reveal yourself in a greater way than ever before, Lord. So, God, I pray, Lord, let a hunger and a thirst come upon each and every one of us, Lord. That, God, we would enter into your presence, Lord. That we would get into your word, Lord. And that, God, you would reveal yourself to us in a greater way than ever before, Lord. God, make us a desperate people, Lord. That is desperate for nothing else but you. And that, Lord, you would be the center of our life. Lord, that you would be the center of it all. That nothing else would truly matter but you, God. Get us to that place, Lord, where nothing else matters but you, God. Lord, strip us of ourselves. Strip us of everything, Lord. And let us see only you, Lord. Because it's all about you. It's all about you, Father. And we praise you. Lord, I'm asking God for you to send them in, Lord, from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And God, we know, Lord, that you're doing great things. You're going to do great things, God. Lord, we believe that the floor, God, is going to be full of wheat. Hallelujah. We believe that the drug out is going to be set free. We believe that the alcohol is going to be set free. Lord, we believe the demoniac is going to be set free. God, I believe it, and I believe that I'm amongst the body of believers that believe it as well. So, Lord, pour it out here, God. Let the fire fall here, Lord, and let it be. Just have your way in this house, Lord, and be glorified. Be glorified. Father, we praise you. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and for what you're going to do. And in Jesus' name, we humbly ask and pray. Amen. Amen. We thank each and every one of you for being here tonight. Thank you for joining with us. Remember prayer meeting on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. And one other announcement that I did not make. Starting this Wednesday, we will be having the services back here in the sanctuary. I know that the last four weeks I have been doing them in my home. But um, we have some individuals that aren't able to make it on Wednesday. So therefore, we have room for people to come in on Wednesdays uh, to be here. So if you're watching, come be a part of our Bible study on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Tuesday night prayer at 7 and Wednesday night Bible study at 7. And then again next Sunday morning.
at ten thirty. Amen. We love each and every one of you, and we thank you for being with us and be blessed.